0: We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps, Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I am Dan, and you are Lindsay.
1: Oh, very good. Mm
0: -hmm. I I got it. I got it figured out now.
1: I love it. Thank you so much for getting my name correct, finally. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, fun show for you today. Uh, for, first, uh, a couple quick announcements. Very cool new Bad Magician challenge coin in the store at badmagicmerch.com.
1: What does that mean, Bad Magician, Dan?
0: And that's for people who enjoy Scared to Death, uh, Time Suck, and Is We Dumb, or some combo of the three. It's for fans of Bad Magic Productions content. Woohoo! And I love the design.
1: Cool. And sorry, just real quick, just because a uh, different show. Hmm? What is a challenge coin? I, I know our time suckers know, but I don't know if everybody well, over here ca- would know.
0: It came from the military originally, and I don't want to misspeak and say sure. the exact story. Like it was this, like uh, I believe it was a general, like like that first gave him out to his troops. You
1: don't he didn't have to be that specific. Oh, okay,
0: okay, I don't know. Yeah, but <laughs> just but, uh, the concept. But the, and then it just became like it just. Uh, uh, a thing to represent your unit or your company yeah. or and then it got into law enforcement pretty mm-hmm. heavy where and it's just a cool thing where um you know like uh, an officer could give it to like uh, a kid who's a big fan of the police and right. be like hey buddy and it's just like you feel like you're in the special club because yeah. you got one of the coins
1: it's like an actual token of appreciation
0: yeah yeah and it, people use it in different ways mm-hmm. i mean um some people exchange them maybe there's like officers of different you know like troops or whatever like that will exchange yeah. them um it, it has like a weird history where it's like it could be like something about drinks. Like oh, yeah, if you slam, if you slam one that. down on a counter and whoever doesn't have one of them, one of their um, coins on them in that unit or group, whatever like that, doesn't slam one or slams it last, doesn't have one. They have to buy a round of drinks. Fun. I mean, there's, there's all different kind of like a history. Cool. But now like companies have them. Yeah. But yeah, but it comes originally from military.
1: Yeah. Thanks for sharing that brief mm-hmm. info.
0: Yeah. Uh, the Bad Magic Productions Charity of the Month is I A V A. Iraq and Afghanistan veterans of America. Uh, thanks to you Creeps and Peepers, we'll be giving them at least sixteen thousand. Yeah, we'll know the exact amount next week. Uh, from their mission statement, we are here to serve and empower post nine eleven veterans. Uh, you know that community. We believe these dynamic men and women represent America's future. Our next. Greatest Generation. They are our true north. Everything we do is designed to focus on them and the positive future they bring to the world. And they offer all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, like um, they do things like assist veterans using their GI Bill, help with housing, mental health support, more. Uh, for more info, you can go to IAVA.org. Thank you. And, and I know you'll be sharing some Giving Tree information later on.
1: Yes, in the second half of the show. Stay tuned for... Info about the bad mm-hmm. magic giving tree, which if you are a bad magician, you probably yep. already know about it. But if you are only a scared to death listener, you definitely want to stick around and hear yeah. about that. It's a very cool thing that we do. We want to
0: help give you or somebody you know uh, a great holiday experience. And exactly. if you've if you had a tough year and you and you can't afford it, that's what it's for. So you really want to stay tuned for that. Yeah. Um, okay, previews. Uh, so weird and not intentional. For the second week in a row, I'm starting with a story set just a few hours from here. Oh. in co- A few hours from Coeur and then moving on to a story set in the Philippines.
1: Okay, where's the story a few hours from here?
0: It's actually not very far from Riggins. What's the city? Uh, it, it's not a city. It's up in the wilderness. Oh, oh I, yeah, see, I see. Yeah, up on the main fork of the salmon.
1: I was like, why are you being so hesitant to name the city? Is it council? <laughs> like, where are we at? no. no. Okay. Okay, well, I have two stories this mm-hmm. week, and um, gosh, my first story, what's it about? Oh, actually, speaking of law enforcement, yeah. this is a story from a Leo down in Texas. Oh, cool. So I'm, I, I thought about it, uh, November, Veterans Day, I was mm-hmm. like, thinking about it, so love a very... It doesn't seem that scary. And then all of a sudden, there's this detail that you're like, oh, my God. Okay. It just, like, gets you. I and love it. And is it a
0: veteran, too? You said Veterans Day or...
1: No, Because no, just because, like, yeah. Veterans Day, like, yep. all around that, I think that, you know, there in November, there tends to be more uh, attention, gratitude given to not only veterans, but like also first Leo's, stuff, first yeah. responders, mm-hmm. EMTs, all, True. all of the firefighters, all the things. Um, and then my second story... Uh, oh, yes. Ooh, this is so good. Okay. It made me think about, like, all the times that you're in bed, we're in bed together, and we feel like the dogs hop on the bed. hmm What if it wasn't the dog? Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Okay, good. Those sound good. um I'll give you a little preview of, of mine since I barely mentioned it earlier. uh We're going to start in central Idaho. Yeah, very close to where, um you know, I grew up, and actually very close to where... I mean, not even just close to, we went through this area on the river when we did a float trip with uh, oh. Jared, Donna, you know, Ellie and Emerson on that float mm-hmm. trip. Yeah, the main fork of the Salmon River near Mackie Bar. Uh, and then we're going to head to an unknown location in the Philippines and meet some spirits known as Elementals. Spirits haunting a home, physically hurting the home's children.
1: Cool. Cool. Can I get set up?
0: Yep. Get, get set up.
1: Okay, look at, I don't know if you can really tell, but I have on these very fun ice cream socks. Wait, how, how? <laughs> Here we go. Can you guys see their scoops of ice cream? Oh, those are cool. They're so fun.
0: And uh, and I did think it was funny how I know I know you were just like uh, talking about cool as far as like the story's going to be cool. Yeah. But it was pretty funny where I'm like, and they hurt the, children's, uh, hurt the children in the home and you're like, cool, cool. Cool, cool. Good.
1: I love it when the children get hurt. It's my <laughs> favorite part of any story. <laughs> Our show is so weird.
0: <laughs> okay. So now I'm going to get back to a type of story we haven't covered here in a while, a, a possible cryptid of some kind. No setup. Just going to jump right in. Time now for the tale of the hide behind. Have you ever been wandering through the woods on a hike or camping and felt something lurking just behind you? Maybe you turn around, see a quick flash of something disappearing behind a tree or a curve in the path. You convince yourself that it was just some leaves, a trick of light, an animal running across the path. You convince yourself that you're just hearing things. You hear a rustle in the bushes behind you and the hair on the back of your neck is standing up and... You think there's nothing actually watching you. It's just a few birds, maybe some squirrels or chipmunks. That's what you tell yourself. But what if you're wrong? What if there really is something out in the woods watching you? Something hungry? Something wants to feed on you, sees you as prey? For over a hundred years at least, people in forests around the U.S. have been reporting encounters with entities called hidebehinds. Very possibly... uh, You know, that they've gone by other, very possible, excuse me, they've gone by other names and countries, you know, for much longer than a hundred and so years. Maybe if they're real, they've been with us all along. Uh, The most common description of a hide behind is a, it's a thin, agile, unknown animal that peeks out at people from behind trees. That it stealthily stalks people. Think of a woodsy slenderman with limbs that are just a little too long, a face without eyes that still, still somehow watches you, and a body that slinks in uncanny and unnatural ways as it follows you to the forest. Always ducking behind a tree or a rock just before you can really see it. No matter how fast you move, it seems like the hide behind can always move a bit faster. You can whirl around to catch a glimpse of it, but odds are you won't, you won't really see it. Sighting cl- claims are exceptionally rare. It's most likely uh, that it'll continue to stay out of sight behind a tree, rock, side of a cabin, etc. Using its impressive ability to conceal itself, the hide behind stalks its human prey sometimes for days if not longer. And then if you're exceptionally unlucky, it strikes without warning, all while you were convincing yourself that nothing was out there, and then you disappear forever. Some who've become obsessed with trying to prove that these entities are real, people who've studied account after account of supposed sightings, they say that human intestines are the mainstay of a hide-behinds diet, that it uses its claws to disembowel unwary humans, and then they say that it, when it does go for its attack, it often lets loose a scream of some kind that sounds a lot like a terrifying laugh. According to this cryptid's lore, sometimes the hide behind's peal of laughter is enough to scare prey to death before they're ripped open. Stories of hide behind seem to start around the 1890s when lumberjacks in the Pacific Northwest started going missing mysteriously. Were some of these men dragged back to the hide behind's lairs to be devoured? That's what multiple loggers worried about. Enough, so that they began to take precautions to keep from being attacked themselves. The hide-behind is rumored to hate the smell and taste of alcohol. Scared, superstitious lumberjacks used to drink in the forest to protect themselves from attacks as they made their way back home to the woods. Maybe just an excuse to drink. Maybe really trying to protect themselves. In one old hide-behind story, lumberjacks in a camp in Michigan believed they were dealing with at least one hide-behind, if not several. At their logging camp in the 1940s, The men were deep in the woods and planned to live out there until the forest was clear. Transportation time to get back and forth from their homes to camp would have eaten up too much of their days. To ensure that the camp was safe from bears, mountain lions, and, well, maybe monsters, and to have someone keep the campfire going, some of the lumberjacks stayed up throughout the night in shifts to keep watch. And during his watch one night, one of these men first thought it was just some trick of the light flickering from the campfire when he spotted a roughly seven-foot-tall thing lurking just behind a tree. Over the next few nights, he kept seeing it again and again. And he noticed that if he moved, it popped back behind the tree. But if he stayed really, really still, it would lean out to look at him for just a few moments. The lumberjack started making sure he held a loaded rifle during the night watches going forward. And one night, after thinking he'd spotted it in the distance, he raised his rifle and spotted it again, now through his scope. Looking at the figure silhouetted against the trees, the man's skin began to crawl, and he almost pulled the trigger. But as an experienced huntsman, he knew that he shouldn't fire. He knew one should never shoot when they can't positively identify or when the thing their rifle is pointed at could possibly be a person. And he knew that the only large bipeds out there around him were supposed to be other men. So maybe this was a man, right? Later, he wished he would have pulled that trigger. In his gut, he knew the whole time that what he saw was no man. No human was that tall or that narrow. He didn't know what the hell it truly was, but he knew the name for this creature was a hide behind. A few weeks later, one of the men of his camp went missing. Most of the other loggers tried to blame his disappearance on the man's reportedly poor work ethic, saying that he was lazy and probably just snuck off back home. And then later, when they found out he never showed up at home, they told themselves that he must have gotten lost and then fallen into a ravine or something. They told themselves he'd gotten drunk and just lost his bearings as to where he really was. But the watchman, the man who'd seen the hide behind through his rifle scope that night, He knew that the man who disappeared had never taken a drink. He'd actually refused every time. Someone had tried to share one with him. And sure, maybe the man had been a little lazy, but he also needed the money he was making for his family back home. The watchman wondered if the thing he saw through his scope had grabbed that man. The logger who disappeared was small and physically weaker than a lot of the more experienced woodsmen with him. Maybe the hide behind picked him off like a lion grabbing the weakest member of a herd of antelope or something. When the week was up, the watchman decided to leave too, forfeiting the pay he was supposed to get for the month. After continuing to feel like that thing was still out there night after night, still watching them, he decided the money wasn't worth it. He wouldn't make it off the mountain with a fistful of cash, but he would make it home alive. Many years later, some wandering travelers near Salmon, Idaho maybe wouldn't be so lucky. Raised in the mountains of central Idaho, Marcy had grown up hearing stories about the hide behinds, but she'd always written them off as superstition and folklore. Nine times out of ten, when people told stories about thinking they'd seen hide-behinds, they later found out that what they'd been looking at was some poor emaciated deer or some other unfortunate creature. Stories of the hide-behind even migrated into her brother's Dungeons & Dragons games. Now in her late twenties, she could still remember the poem he came up with as a part of a campaign. Through the thorn, my clothes all torn, I ran across the hollow. Then I stopped and, tired, dropped, but still I heard it follow. I ran no more, my body sore, and prepared myself to die. My eyes closed for my final repose. I heard the creatures cry. You'll share my fright if late at night, your ears and eyes aren't sound. Pray you don't find the hide behind, or you'll go yourself unfound. She always thought that was a pretty good poem. Marcia had always admired her brother's writing skills, but she wished she could forget it. She preferred not to think about the hide behind. When she sat in on that D&D game, she was 14 and her brother Matt was 16. And there was something in his low tone of voice and a darkness in his eyes that made her think that maybe, just maybe, he could be speaking from experience. But then again, her brother had always had been a dungeon master for years. He was good at putting together stories, and they had to be only stories, right? But something nagged at her about that one, especially when she combined it with some other memories. Like how her brother refused to cut across the woods to go home if it was late at night, or how she sometimes caught her mom looking at the woods in their backyard, standing stock still. And when Marcy would go up to her and put a hand on her arm, she'd startle, and then give Marcy a reassuring smile that didn't quite reach her eyes. As she got older, Marcy did at least think about the hide-behind less and less, but she could never totally forget about it. But still, she thought about the hide-behind when she found herself staring off into the woods on the side of the road, or when a nature documentary did a slow pan over a dark forest and she got goosebumps, goosebumps she couldn't fully explain. So when Marcy's friends Kent and Sarah proposed going for a camping trip along the main fork of the Salmon River, way out in the middle of the wilderness, Marcy was less than fully excited. Marcy liked camping, but she preferred to camp somewhere surrounded by a lot of other campers, and not far from a lodge and other amenities. It's so cool, Kent gushed to her over the phone. I went last summer with my family. The river is awesome. So rugged out there. No cell signal. Not many other people. Just nature. I don't know, Marcy said. She could hear Kent's dog, Ranger, barking somewhere in the background. Doesn't it seem a little dangerous? Oh, come on, Kent said. Yeah, it's pretty remote, but Forest Service rangers are always patrolling the area. Whitewater rafters and kayakers are floating by literally every day. Thousands of people go rafting there every year, and they're fine. We'll just go out, kick back, hang out in nature for a little while, and then come home. Marcy thought about it. She had felt cooped up since the pandemic began and going camping with friends she hadn't spent much time with since they graduated college over five years ago did seem like a safe and fun way to get some much-needed social time. And it's August, Kent added. So the river won't even be that high and fast and the water will be warm. we we'll do some floating and some swimming. And did I mention there are natural hot springs? Marcy wavered, but eventually agreed. It would be good to see Kent and Sarah again and she could always pass up on a strenuous hike or swimming if she felt unsafe. So with all that in mind, she agreed to go. It was going to be fine. Marcy reassured herself, looking at her computer screen where the website for the Forest Service was pulled up. It wasn't like they were going to be totally alone. But somehow that thought wasn't actually totally reassuring. When the weekend came and Sarah and Kent picked, up, uh, picked her up in Kent's Subaru, Marcy felt fine. She forgot all about feeling anxious. It was fun to sit in the backseat of Kent's car, her feet stretched out in the seat next to her, while Sarah and Kent play, playfully argued about what music to play and what hikes they were going to go on. They had plenty of snacks, and before Marcy knew it, the seven-ish hour drive from Boise to the Mackie Bar campground on the Salmon River was almost over. "'Should be just a few minutes down this road,' Kent said, squinting to look for the campground sign. It was a little past five, and Marcy was glad that there would be daylight for another couple of hours. The road was so narrow, it made her nervous when they met other cars. It never felt like there was enough room for both vehicles. She checked her phone, no cell phone service. Hadn't been for over half an hour. They were out in the sticks." When they got to their campsite, Marcy didn't like what they found. The campsite was littered with all kinds of stuff, clothes tossed all around in the mud, a dehydrated meal that someone clearly had hacked into with a knife, barely eaten, snack wrappers, trash, a couple pairs of shoes, three different tarps torn down and muddy, and a sleeping bag. Marcy's eyes moved back to the food. The dehydrated meal still had a spoon in it, and it had been opened in a way to make a bowl. Why would whoever left leave such in a hurry? And with no car around, it didn't seem like they were still here. Who left their sleeping bag in a big mess like this? Ugh, gross, Sarah said. I do not want to sleep here, no lie. There's a clearing up there, Kent said, pointing. Ranger sniffed the air, trotted to Kent's side, his tail uncharacteristically still. Maybe we should just camp up there and avoid all this mess. People are so gross sometimes, Sarah added. I mean, what happened to taking only pictures, leaving only footprints? Yeah, Marcy said vaguely. But she kept thinking... This didn't seem like trash people had just left. Who left their shoes? When she raised these concerns, Kent and Sarah just brushed them aside. Sarah said, maybe they had an emergency. Had to go home quick or something. Marcy agreed that was possible, but she thought, not likely. What emergency didn't leave you time to grab your sleeping bag? That night, after a dinner of mostly granola bars and beer, they were too tired to get a fire going or set up the gas grill. Marcy tried to sleep, but couldn't seem to doze off. Maybe it was Kent snoring or the sounds of bugs, she thought. But deep down, she knew those weren't the reasons she couldn't sleep. She couldn't sleep because she felt watched. When she got up to pee around three in the morning, she unzipped the tent and swore she saw something slip behind a distant tree. Nope, she decided. Nope, nope, nope. She'd rather risk peeing her pants. In the early morning light, she felt a lot better, safer. Kent was right. The scenery truly was gorgeous. Big mountains all around, pine trees, the river winding down the canyon. It was beautiful. Not going to say I told you so, but I told you so, Kent said. Okay, what's first, Sarah asked. Hike? Hot springs? Get high? Get lost in the woods? Not that last one, Marcy said, laughing. We'd never find our way back. Oh, ye of little faith, Kent said, shaking his head. They decided on a hike first and then the hot springs to relax afterwards. Kent led them down their chosen path while Ranger trotted ahead. They passed a couple of interesting cabins that clearly dated to the er early 1900s, if not earlier. Wooden structures falling apart, She could see inside to their uh, interiors peering into one of these cabins marcy got that feeling again that feeling that they were being watched then as she continued to stand there lost gazing into the cabin marcy realized that she hadn't seen sarah in a couple of minutes sarah marcy called sarah her voice sounded small and a little frantic it had only been a couple of minutes so sarah couldn't have gotten far but if she hadn't why wasn't she replying sarah marcy raised her voice a little bit to shout sarah where are you now Kent was alarmed as well, and he also started to shout her name. Faintly, Sarah's voice called down, Coming! A moment later, she appeared, scrambling down a steep incline. Sorry to scare you guys. I just thought there was a cool view up there, and look, there totally is. Sarah passed Marcy her phone, and Marcy squinted at the image. It was beautiful. A great panoramic shot of the canyon below. But as she looked closer, she thought she saw strange, darkish spots dotting the landscape, hugging close to the trees. First she saw one tried to wipe it off the phone like it was a smudge but the smudge wouldn't go away then she saw the next smudge and the next it felt like there were about 30 of them then marcy smelled something very faintly carried on the wind the smell of rot something dead of something that had been killed and left out her eyes started to water ugh sarah said taking her phone back clearly smelling it too probably a dead animal that's disgusting it's nature kent said joining them Marcy Marcy was too shaken to find the words she knew it wasn't a dead animal somehow somehow she thought it was connected to the abandoned campsite hey Ken added the hot springs should be just up here you guys ready to get going Marcy wanted to tell them that they should get the fuck out of here but Ken and Sarah were already headed back to the trail and what was the alternative to be left alone in the woods trying to find her way back to the campground alone As she walked, she continued to be unable to shake the feeling of being watched. It felt like behind each tree, behind every boulder, something was quickly ducking around a corner, her peripheral vision a blur of motion. Every crunch of leaves under their feet made her heart pound faster. After spending some time sitting in the hot springs, the water did feel good, but she couldn't relax. They started heading back towards the campsite. When they were only a quarter of a mile or so away from the campground, rangers suddenly started barking, and then without warning, he sped down the trail, his golden fur flashing in the dim light of the fading sunlight before he disappeared. Kent just chuckled. Guess he smelled something back at camp, he said. He called for Ranger a few times, but the dog was nowhere to be seen now. Maybe he's just tired. I've had him run off a couple of times on hikes and stuff before, and he always shows back up at the campsite. Muddy as hell, but happy to be as a clam later. Mmm, Marcy said, trying not to sound as panicked as she felt. It was getting dark as they approached their campsite. Marcy could tell that she wasn't the only one who felt like they were being watched now. Both Kent and Sarah seemed on edge, twitchy. Marcy now felt sick to her stomach. It wasn't just in her head. A few minutes later, Marcy saw the familiar blue top of their tent, and then she smiled with relief when she saw that everything was still there. She thought for just a second that they were going to be safe. Now, if she could just convince them to head home early, and then Sarah screamed, What the fuck? Marcy looked where Sarah was looking, and she saw a mass of golden fur and blood. No, Marcy whispered. Ranger, Kent screamed, his face a frozen mask of horror. Ranger, his sweet golden retriever, was lying with his tongue lolling out by the tent, clearly dead. Kent lunged forward. When he did, Marcy saw movement in her peripheral vision, and without thinking, grabbed Kent's arm. The tent, she whispered. Horrified, all of them turned to look at the tent. Slowly, she saw something poke into the side of the canvas, then retreat. There was a soft sound, like something was inside, rummaging around. And then Marcy swore she saw a head lift from the tent for the briefest moment, but it wasn't exactly a human head. She screamed, RUN! And then the three of them took off towards the car. As Marcy ran, she remembered her mother looking into the woods, looking like something was looking back at her. She remembered the poem her brother had written. Pray you don't find the hide behind, or you'll go yourself unfound. They made it to the Subaru and drove out there and back. uh, They drove out of there and back down to Boise that night, leaving all of their stuff behind, including what was left of poor Ranger. They left quickly, just like the campers before them. And Marcy wonders if they made it out alive as well. Yee. Yee.
1: That felt so especially spooky because I was thinking about our float trip. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that hike that we did up to those abandoned buildings. Yeah,
0: through all that Blackberry Bramble.
1: That was so awful.
0: Yeah, so So, overgrown. But yes. So
1: overgrown and just like... Shred it up.
0: And I think that hike that we did actually might be this hike.
1: I think so, because it does lead to or hot a springs. Or similar hike,
0: yeah. yeah or, or another hike that led to those same hot springs. I think it's like
1: off that main mm-hmm. uh, path that we were on.
0: Right. And yeah. the there are hot springs in the area, but I, I'm 90, 90% sure that that... Hike we went on was close to Mackie Bar because I, I was looking at right. the map. I was trying to figure it out, and I was yeah. looking. At, and I do have some pictures. Okay, uh, this area. Uh, this first one's a, a picture of uh, Mackie Bar, just kind Ugh. of the way it bends around there in the river.
1: It's so beautiful. That float trip that we did. Mm-hmm. Like if if any of y'all have the opportunity to get to Riggins and do a float trip, yeah. it is. I've done other float trips and it is just oh, it's gorgeous. I would do it again. 5 out of 5 stars.
0: And that is like uh what my little hometown is most known for mm-hmm. is is by far and away. Yeah. Uh bridge over the river, this next picture that uh leads to yeah. some hot springs and we did walk across that bridge. Yep, I remember. Mm-hmm. And then uh and then this is just a picture of like some some dark trees. You know, it's like this is what I imagine when you're mm-hmm. looking out there in the woods at night and there's barely any light left and it does feel like something could be behind be behind any of those.
1: Do you remember the food they made us for dinner, that bread? <laughs> I immediately think of the food. The first, because it was an I, overnight, and then they made it in like, it was sort of like cribble bread, or crebble bread, but like... Uh,
0: I do remember having bread.
1: Yeah, it was like made in like a big cast iron pot, and, yeah. and the food was so good.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool on those little float trips when you do an overnight, you know, these, these guides, they'll have somebody drop off at a bar, you know, a beach mm-hmm. or whatever like that. Uh, some coolers of food, and then so they'll you know make you something at night, so you're not living on just granola bars and stuff.
1: No, I mean it was great. They remember they made us lunch. We had like mm-hmm. salads and wraps. and Yeah, then, it was pretty nice. Yeah, a good good breakfast in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah Yeah,
0: I mean, and I mean it's camp food. You know, it's going to be like scrambled oh, stuff. but it's good. But it's good camp food.
1: Yeah, oh, it, it was such a great trip. I'm so glad we did that.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah, because I never did one growing up there. Uh,
1: well, because your mom was scared.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then this is another place uh, that I just thought like, oh man, the hide behind could be hiding. Like when you're walking down some trail and there's these dark trees on the. Side Sides, i it is that unnerving feeling it's like man something could be behind any of those things
1: that makes me think of two places that we love Kauai. Mm. joe knows i think because it's like there's like a road that you drive down and it's just arched with trees oh yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then it makes me think of oak alley in new orleans oh yeah similar uh-huh. similar thing um, mm-hmm. at a plantation but yeah like, just that during the day beautiful but But as soon as dusk hits Mm -hmm. it's like oh no thank you Yep. no thank you um i was thinking also about you do well you've done it twice and you never have to do it again but you did those hikes up the mountains with the kids right right death the death hike the death hikes Mm -hmm. uh you're so lucky you didn't see anything then (laughs) <laughs> I was just thinking about hide-behinds and that and like middle of nowhere. <laughs> no trees. Useless. kids are useless.
0: <laughs> I, I would have, I would have uh, almost preferred hide-behinds. I would have preferred a forest full of hide-behinds than just open, uh, you know, like brush with no coverage for shade yeah. and just getting roasted by the sun. That's but why that was it. such a nightmare. Yes. You did it twice. Did it twice. <laughs>
1: Impressive. Uh yeah that 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 was all I had I'd never heard of those things before
0: and I hadn't either and I've grown up you know but there's uh, other places it sounds like this person may have been from like Salmon there was some other Mm -hmm. like details that I didn't include all of them sure uh, that weren't as you know moving the story forward but it sounds like they remember from around Salmon yeah I hadn't heard of that either but interesting lore from that area
1: I I love it because that is the thing about camping well one of the things I love to camp Mm -hmm. we haven't camped in years and I miss it so much Mm -hmm. but. When you like that middle of the night feeling that Marcy was talking about, like, oh like what's keeping me up? Because the first night at camp yeah. is always the hardest for me. Yeah. because you're not used to that quiet uh-huh. where you hear every creature rustling, you you know, and then I'm like,, mm-hmm. oh, is it a bear? Uh, my biggest fear this is so stupid because it's not logical. Yeah is that a snake is going to somehow get underneath the tent and oh. chew its way through oh. mm-hmm, and get in there and get me.
0: I'm just picturing how It's so funny. dumb. It's uh-huh. so dumb. Yeah, because I'm just picturing because, uh, you know, snake only have fangs. They don't have I any, know, any other teeth. I know. But I was picturing like a, a weird kind of snake with a bunch of like a row of teeth on, on each <laughs> side of his mouth that can gnaw through things. Oh, my God. Like the old some kind of weird tunnel snake, a burrow snake.
1: Oh, my God. Or like a <laughs> that, uh, one snake that like has these two little hands that pop out mm, it and then it can like dig.
0: Little, little digger hands.
1: Uh, when I made this face... It made me think of our niece Ellie.
0: because oh, she makes yeah. the
1: funniest faces. Did mm-hmm. you see her Halloween costume?
0: Yep. She is a zombie bat.
1: And it is so good. Mm-hmm. It is so good. It's good. We should have loaded a picture in because I was like, oh, she gets it. Yeah. We maybe we can show it on the live show. Okay. Since we're like recording ahead of time. Yeah. But yeah, oh man. That girl does a good costume. She gets into character. Mm -hmm.
0: I know. I like it. Yeah. She gets into that stuff. So cute. Uh, You ready to leave the Northwest? And just like last week, which this is total coincidence, Uh uh, head to the Philippines? Let's do it. Before we head Southwest, an in-between story sponsor break. Thanks for listening, creeps and peepers. Okay, ready for another intense story? Yes. Uh, Possibly involving demonic forces. Uh, No setup. Just going to get right into it again. Okay, let's do it. Time now for the tale Of the elementals. It was late spring when we moved into that house. Myself and my husband had been hired as live-in help. He would take care of the gardens and maintenance, and I would be taking care of the house and the children. I thought at that time I was unable to have children of our own, and I'd spent my whole working life as a nanny. For the past several years, my husband had been working with me, doing whatever handyman, maintenance, landscaping, etc. type work needed to be done so we could spend more time together. This particular house was beautiful, it was big and old but remodeled inside so it was modern and airy it had lots of fans and great airflow which is important in the philippines where it's so muggy and hot all year long the homeowners the husband and wife had designed and built a the house themselves and when we first moved in it seemed like it was going to be such a lovely place to live our bedroom was in a little corridor next to one of the children's bedrooms and we had our own private bathroom the lady of the house especially was very friendly and the children were young and sweet We were very happy and hopeful this would be our home for many, many years to come. In those first nine months, it did go by swimmingly. By the end of that time, we were completely settled in and comfortable, and the owner's children had gotten used to me. They respected and listened to me, and I didn't think I could be much happier. But then one night, while my husband and I laid in bed, I heard the most terrible crashing sounds, as if someone were breaking the windows. And those sounds would mark the end of the peace we felt in that home. My husband didn't wake up and I didn't want to scare him. But I couldn't fall back asleep not knowing what might have happened. So I got out of bed, walked all around the house, checking every window. And I found nothing out of order. The sound certainly didn't seem to have startled anyone else. Everyone else was still sound asleep. Wandering back to bed, I started to think I must have been dreaming. But then the very next night, I was awoken again. A knocking sound this time that seemed to be coming from within the walls. And it went on and it got louder as it went on knocking grew louder and louder, but again, my husband didn't hear it. And again, I decided not to wake him. Like the night before, I rose from my bed in order to check on the house and the children. I stuck my head around the children's doors and saw that they were all still asleep, as was everyone else in the house, it seemed. But then as I wandered down the corridor to reach the connecting hallway and the stairs, I got a very uncomfortable feeling, like someone was behind me. I could feel invisible eyes burning into my back, but when I spun around, nobody was there. I walked back into my room, crawled back into bed, curled up next to my husband, and eventually drifted off into an uneasy sleep. When I woke the following morning, I still felt upset. I still had that feeling that something was watching me as I carried out my duties for the day. And at one point, I glanced over my shoulder to check that there was no one behind me. And this time, when I spun around, I saw a little shadow flitting across the wall and then out of the room. I was now shaken up enough to speak to the lady of the house about all of this, and she informed me that I was not Crazy. Other members of the household had reported seeing and hearing similar things. This made me feel a little better, but also terrified me. It meant that it wasn't just in my head. It meant that what I was feeling, seeing, hearing, it was real. Also, I could tell that the spirit or spirits I'd been sensing, hearing, and uh, so forth, uh, on on at least one occasion seen that they were angry. For the next whole week, I continued to feel watched, and whenever I felt watched, it felt malignant. A strange shadow always seemed to be near now. And then just over a week after all this began, my husband and I both awoke early in the morning to screams from the children. Both girls were in hysterics, and there were large, hard lumps all over their legs. What? The night before, I'd heard knocking and banging coming from their room. I'd been hearing sounds so often I didn't bother to check on them. Now I wish I would have. Whatever was haunting this house had hurt them. I rushed to the lady of the house's room, trying to catch her before she left left for work for the day. When I told her about the girls, she decided to stay home and have a doctor come to the house and check on them. The doctor couldn't figure out why the girls had broken out in these strange bumps. He speculated they were some sort of cysts and referred us to a specialist at a local hospital. We were able to see the specialist that same day. He also had no idea what was going on. After she and I talked for a bit about what we thought was going on, we both felt we were dealing with something paranormal and we both felt we should contact the church. The lady then sent the girls home with me while she went to talk to the local parish father. Father Jerome was a lovely man. He was getting on in years, but was still so kind and caring, and the passion he had for helping his parish hadn't diminished in over 40 years of service. He came to the home and agreed that there was definitely something supernatural happening. He could feel it too. Father Jerome visited the girls and rubbed some sort of ointment all over their legs and said prayers over them for a good 30 minutes. When he was done, he sat down with the lady and explained that he believed the culprit was either a capre or a ticbalung. Names of various elemental spirits in the Philippines. These spirits are thought by many, even some Catholic priests in the Philippines, to be spirits of nature. They're believed to be associated with one of the four elements, earth, water, air, or fire. Father Jerome thought that this particular spirit was angry that the family had built a home at this location. He thought that something must have happened on the land where the house stood that would explain it. Father Jerome said that he believed that an angry spirit resided in a big yucca tree that happened to be right outside my bedroom window. He said some prayers in order to try to banish the spirit, advised the lady what mixture she should burn under the tree, a concoction that would create a bad smell that would cause the spirit to want to leave. The next morning, the lady called at my door, asked if I would accompany her to do this. Of course, I obliged, and we went and we started the fire. And the fire did not rid the property of anything. It seemed to have angered whatever had hurt the children. I'm sure of it because then it hurt me too. A couple of hours after starting that fire, I came down with a fever out of the blue. I'd never felt so sick in my life. It felt like I was burning from the inside. I was lightheaded and dizzy. The lady said she would take care of the children and sent me to bed. I lay down but couldn't sleep. I was restless and my breathing felt labored. I went over to the bathroom in order to splash some cold water on my face, lifted my head to look in the mirror and had to steady myself by holding on to the sink. I didn't recognize who was in front of me. The lady in the mirror looked like me, but her expression was so different. Her mouth was closed while mine was open. The face began to further change in front of me, contorting, twisting into painful-looking, ugly and frightening expressions. Expressions I'd never made or even could make. Forcing myself to move away and stop looking at such horrors, I grabbed the toilet and then I started to vomit uncontrollably. My husband ran in and tended to me. I told him what I saw in the mirror and now we both avoided looking into it. And he helped me into bed for the night. Thankfully, I was able to fall into a deep sleep. I was so exhausted. But I even told the lady, uh, before I even told the lady what happened that next morning, both my husband and I were now frightened. Uh, She was already shaking and scared as well. She said that as her and her husband were laying down to sleep the night before, a light bulb and a chandelier above their bed began to twist in its socket all on its own before unscrewing un- completely. And then it flew down and straight at the lady's head. She ducked it, narrowly missed her, smashed against the wall and shattered. Both of us now terrified and concerned for the safety of everyone in the home, especially the children. I was sent out to look for another priest while the lady did some research. When I returned, she had found uh, that before her and her husband had bought the home, someone had ran a business on the property. And when business wasn't going well, they'd hired a shaman to conjure up a variety of spirits to help their business. They believed that the spirits, some elementals, truly began to help them. They believed they brought them good luck and fortune. And in order to repay these spirits, the previous owners had built them little houses, little shrines, not uncommon in this area to live in where daily offerings of food uh, and gifts would be placed. But then when the family left, the business and the little houses were just demolished to restructure the property into only being residential to make it easier to sell, feeling cheated. She felt the spirits were now angered and they wanted revenge. When I returned to hear all of this, Father Jerome and two other local priests were with me. All three of them now prayed together all through the night, performing some sort of exorcism that lasted until the early hours of the morning. That next morning, exhausted and shaking, they declared the land now free of all harmful spirits. And the house did truly feel different after they were done. I prayed to God to keep us safe, to continue to keep us safe. I asked for a sign that the demons were banished truly for good, and I think I received one. Just a few weeks after those spirits left, I found out... That I was pregnant. That was almost two years ago now. Myself and husband and our baby girl Gabriella still live in that same home. We hope to stay there until the owner's children are grown and gone. I've never been so happy. Dark spirits are real. They can really hurt you and you should fear them. But the light is always stronger than the dark. And with God's help, I think you can always defeat them.
1: I love that ending.
0: Mm-hmm. A little happy ending on that one.
1: I know. That's so rare.
0: They banished it, and it's gone, and now they live in the house, and everything's fine.
1: That's so cool. That's the most rare solution. <laughs> I love True. it. Yay! True. <laughs> yay, yay, yay. I'm so happy.
0: Uh, so I want to show you, like, these elementals. There's, uh-huh. like, you know, people's uh, illustrations, sculptures, whatever. This first one is what the main picture that comes up when oh. you do a search for a capre.
1: That is not what I was expecting.
0: Yep, uh, like a shaman guy, like, dressed up is what he thinks a capre is.
1: Oh, well, if that's coming for me, I would be oh terrified. God.
0: And then this next is some someone's like a like a little figurine, a little sculpture of the other Filipino elemental I mentioned, the Tikbalung.
1: Okay, also terrifying.
0: Yeah, like some Holy messed up looking crap. Centaur. That
1: is, I was not, that is, my brain was not going there mm-hmm. at all. I was yeah. thinking more like. Uh, There's a
0: whole bunch of these. It's very interesting, the folklore. There's a whole bunch of these things. Like, these are Gee. two of many supposed, uh, you know, creatures. Do they all look that scary? No, not all of them. Some of them look a little friendlier. A little, was... little pixies or something, but some of them are, yeah, pretty yeah, terrifying. And I have one more. Uh, this is a Kowakian monkey lizard with a shrill crackle, salacious crumb. This, is from, this is from Star Wars.
1: I was like, you were saying a lot of words that didn't make sense.
0: So This is not, but it, but actually, this is what popped in my head when I was looking at elementals. I was like, yeah. th- and I was like, what images in my head right now? And I had to keep like looking, and this because uh, it, it's a little guy who sat next to Jabba the Hut, yeah, Return of the Jedi, and like would cackle and stuff and steal food, and mimic, oh, yeah, mimic people. Yeah, yeah, it was like yeah, a little jester. Yeah. Little uh,
1: <laughs> but <laughs> is that also that thing is terrifying.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I'm what I think is cool is a lot of like sci-fi and fantasy. They absolutely pull from you know fi- folklore. Yeah, from uh, to, to come up with. I mean, yes, it's a lot of imagination, but mm-hmm. it's imagination based on like you know little creatures you've seen in books and stuff when you were a kid, and a lot of those things come from oral tradition stories that go back, you know, who knows how far.
1: Yeah, all yeah. connected. I I thought the elemental was going to be <laughs> like an angry looking Groot. Do you know what Groot? Is? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like because I was thinking, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, because yeah, I was thinking about the elements, mm-hmm. and then I also was thinking about um, oh shoot, now I forgot it—the um, Earth. Wind, the cartoon—not a cartoon. Um, Captain Planet. Captain Planet. <laughs> nice job. He's our hero. And then you know it's like Earth, wind, water, fire. Oh
0: man, I was just—I was just a little bit too old for that. When that one got oh. going, I was already—I was already done with those cartoons.
1: You probably—it oh, wasn't really a cartoon. Also, you missed, Power Rangers, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I was aware of Power Rangers. Obviously, I love Power Rangers. I'm yeah. so into it. I was too old for that. Yep.
1: So into it. Oh, man. I think that's like the last thing, uh, like around that time that I really geeked out on until I got older. Yeah. I loved it so much. Um, Okay. Well, thinking about spirits and houses, I didn't tell you about something that happened this past weekend. Okay. That is, it sounds creepy. It was creepy, but I was somehow not upset about it at all. So on Saturday, I had my witchy friend come over and clear our house, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'd heard that sound behind the refrigerator. And
0: did she care if we mentioned her? Or no,
1: well I don't do- know I just like, try okay, I okay. try to be evasive okay because also I don't like she's not offering up her services gotcha you know what I mean so yep. let's just leave it so anyways so she came over we had this amazing session she brings like it's so cool she gets out of her car she has this like beautiful box full of all the tools to do mm-hmm. all the things we're sitting we're chatting I mean we're friends so we're catching up and she's sitting at the kitchen table with me when all of a sudden she goes hold on a second I need you to be quiet and she goes <laughs> what's upstairs to the to the left of me and I was like uh, And I was like telling her like bedrooms, like whose bedroom, yeah. where. And she starts walking upstairs and she, g- Kyler was never gonna watch this show. So this is so great. Emerson, don't tell him this. Okay, Emerson's our nephew. I just have to give a little warning here. So she goes, it's, it's not scary, yeah. but she goes into Kyler's room and she's like, okay. And like, she just like, I'm being quiet. And she's just, it was so cool to watch her in her element mm-hmm. doing her thing. Because this is someone I know and love and trust. So it's not, it doesn't feel hokey, sure. you know what I mean. And she's not doing any like weird thing. Like she's just yeah. focused. And she said some things that were so incredible. First, she said that she said it's really hard for me to tell if there is another energy here or if your son's energy is just so big it leaves so much dust. Ah. And I was like, sounds correct. And mm-hmm. and she's—I don't even know if she's ever met Kyler. If mm-hmm. she has, it's only been once.
0: He is a powerful
1: personality. God, does he ever? Mm-hmm. And then she's standing by his closet, and she's like, something about this closet. And she goes, would this be where he stands to, like, rehearse something? Like, it had this, like, feeling of, like, repetition. And it's so funny. How she would know this is ridiculous. But anytime I come into Kyler's room, that is where he stands to put his laundry away. And he does little, like, sometimes I, like, kind of catch him doing, like, a little dance or, like, you know, like, uh-huh. the things you do in your bedroom when you think no one's listening sure, sure. or watching. And I was like, okay. She comes did, out. of.
0: Did she pick up a strong masturbation energy? No? I hear
1: the laughing out there. I didn't ask. <laughs> okay. okay. So so then she like checks out the guest room. She feels nothing. She actually said that room felt basically devoid of energy, which makes sense because no one really occupies that room regularly. Yeah. And then she went into Monroe's room and she was like, oh, this room is great. This room has great energy. And I was like, of course it does. Monroe is like steady Eddie. She really is. She is
0: a very steady kid.
1: She is. She was mm-hmm. a little wild when she was younger.
0: But like real young. Mm-hmm. And, and like once her brain began to understand reason, she, she is... People always ask, you know, like from stand-up, mm-hmm. who know me for a long time, are like my bits, like, is she just a hellion? And mm-hmm. I mean, knock on wood, I know. no, she is not. I mean, we got a couple more years that, you know, several more years of the teenage stuff, but she is like, I, I, I'm afraid to jinx it almost I know. by saying she's she's so easy.
1: Yeah. And her emotional IQ is incredible. Yes. And it always has been, actually, mm-hmm. even when she was batty. She's
0: very empathetic and just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, helpful and yes.
1: Okay. So all of that happens. We do the rest of the house Mm -hmm. and like we can go through those details later. But so we do the cleansing. We do this whole thing. It's so beautiful, like really like so emotional. I cried so much, like just couldn't even control it. It's part Mm -hmm. of being an empath. Like I learned so much about myself, about our home, our family, all these things. So
0: an empath is that is Latin for crybaby, if I'm correct.
1: Hey, Logan, you're fucking fired. I hear you <laughs> laughing.
0: <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> okay. I, I know. It's I like... Know, I know no, I like I like this. I like so this. I like this. I, like this. Also, I do like hearing this.
1: Afterwards, this is I, interesting. I texted you and said, like, if you would yeah. be emotionally and energetically open to it, it'd be really cool to do it again with you there. And I said I would. You I, said that I, you and would. I would. And I you can't be would. a dick then. Nope. You can't no, be, like, no, make fun no. of it. no.
0: In the middle of it, I won't. I okay. won't. I'll be good.
1: So we do the thing, and then I have an appointment to be at, so we, like, close up, box everything up. I i am so religious about turning off lights before we leave the house. I hate when lights are left on. It's like a leftover from when I was a kid. We could barely afford our electric bill. You don't leave lights on. Okay. So I go upstairs and you know the layout of our house, okay? And I turn off all the lights in all the bedrooms and the bathroom. And because of the way that our house is laid out, there's no way I turn off like Monroe's light and the guest bedroom light and not Kyler's, right? Because they're One, two, three. Mm -hmm. Okay. I leave the house. I go. I have an appointment. I come back a couple hours later to let the dogs out. I come in, let the dogs out. And I'm like, God, is there? Because the the sunlight comes through upstairs and sometimes it looks like there's a light on. And I look up and I'm like, oh, it's not that sunny out. Where's that light coming from? Kyler's fucking bedroom light was on. And I'm like, no fucking way. There's no way I turned off the other ones and not his because I went I went up the stairs. I yeah, know. Conscious effort. Conscious. And like, again, because of the way that it's laid out, I'm not going from her room to the guest room. His is in between and not turning his off. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I approach the, the doorway and I am standing outside his bedroom door. My body goes ice fucking cold. Head to toe shivers like c- uncontrollable. But I'm not scared. It's so weird. I reach in. So I was, like, going to reach in and turn the light off, and I reach my hand in, and then I'm like, you know what? And I step in the room, and I have a little conversation with what I found out is in our house, and I'm like, okay, listen, like, I know you're here. It's all good. I know you mean us no harm. I'm just going to turn this light off, and if you could just not turn it back on, that'd be really great. And then I just, like, I turned it off, locked the house, and left to go somewhere else. And so then later, I was catching up with the witchy friend, and she had told me that... um That, you know, obviously, like, things can come and go, but what is there, what she felt was a female presence, definitely, like, she couldn't say, like, was it a family member, was it not, but she said it means no harm, it's just kind of like a watcher, and she said... And female presence, huh? "Uh Uh-huh, definitely female, she's like, I, you know, she doesn't know my family, she doesn't know who I've lost or not. Is she
0: she, hot? Like the
1: So anyways, so she, we're, like, talking about (sighs) it, and she's like, you know, have there been times... When you're in the kitchen or like in this main floor and you feel like you see something out of the corner of your eye. And I was like, yep, all of us have talked about it. There are so many times that you've been up late working. Yeah, fair. And she's like, it means you no harm. It's just the female presence here and she's just watching over you.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: So interesting. Specifically around like the kitchen and like where.
0: Well, I like that, that makes you feel better. Like that it there's, doesn't bother like, me. Yeah. And now like if you hear something, you be like, well, maybe that's just that thing.
1: Yeah, I just talk to her now. And also like. We could get rid of it if right. we want to, because it's like you. Anyways, we can get into that later. But the the light switch thing, I was like, holy shit! I was freaking out just into like that is so crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. That That's so that is, crazy. That is, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A cool weekend.
1: Yes. Yes. So I just wanted to tell you about that. And since we're talking about that, things, is nice. I, I know. I know. Right. Because mm-hmm. as soon as she walked in the house, she's like, "Just so you know, I don't feel anything negative here." Okay, like, that's oh. good. See, salting the doorways really helps. <laughs> Don't bring anything bad in here. Okay. Yeah. I know people want to hear stories. Yes. And I know that was like a little paranormal and not a traditional story. But before we dive in. That was a cool story. I want to talk about. I I think people like that story. Yeah. I want to talk about the bad magic giving tree. Okay. Okay. So exciting. This is my favorite, favorite thing that we do all year long.
0: This is definitely a project that you spearhead.
1: Yes. Well, and just like a tiny piece of backstory. I was a giving tree kid. And so this is like so important to me it just means so much to me it really touches me deep in my feelers um so this is marks the third annual bad magic giving tree which is incredible third year doing this um in the first year we only had the money from patreon to use we just that's how we did it we didn't know how else to do it Mm -hmm. and then last year the fans wanted to help and it was crazy (laughs) dan and i offered to match dollar for dollar anything that the fans contributed which was unbeknownst to us insane because the fans donated over eighteen thousand dollars and so then we wrote a check for over eighteen thousand dollars yeah plus the patreon money which was eleven thousand gave us forty seven thousand dollars to work with we helped uh eighty some families have a great christmas it was just holiday season and it was just so incredible yeah and so here we are doing it again and Again, we'll be using the De- the Patreon money for the December donation. So instead of donating mm. to another cause, like you know. Uh- Meals on Wheels yeah. or any of the things we keep it in house. Yeah,
0: donating to the fans, back mm-hmm. to the fans, essentially, yeah. back
1: to the fans who like donate in the first place mm-hmm. through Patreon. Um, and we we will have approximately sixteen thousand dollars to start off with. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have that number obviously yet.
0: It might be more actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, just uh, that's why that's what I put yesterday. But I'm like, oh, it might be more than that.
1: Okay, well, yeah, we'll yeah. see mm-hmm. between sixteen but, and seventeen. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It won't be more than that for sure. And then, um, if now the fans often reach out and say like, "How can I help? I want to be a part of this." What I learned last year is that what I can't do is get this done in three days by myself. I was a zombie. Yeah. And if you remember from those episodes of Scared to Death last year, because we were doing it, it's just mm-hmm. that we hadn't extended it to the whole brand yet. Yeah. Um, what we found out is that doing Amazon is the best thing. And as everyone's hearing in the news, it sounds like the holidays are going to be a little dicey. Mm-hmm. And whether you like Amazon or not, they have been the most reliable thing. That So mm-hmm. that's what we can do. And you can buy Amazon digital gift cards and... In the two line, you're just gonna put in the email address of oh boy, where did it go? <laughs> it's written down here of uh, GivingTree at badmagicproductions.com. That's GivingTree at badmagicproductions.com. I wanna make sure I got that right. Yep. I'll be I'll be monitoring it as it comes in, and for every Amazon gift card that is purchased, Dan and I will match that amount up to. $15,000. Yeah. So if, if the fans collectively can get together and donate 15 grand, we will also throw in 15 grand. Um, and then the other thing that is always asked, how do we how do we nominate ourselves or someone that we love that we know needs help? Like, you know, my brother's going through a hard time and mm-hmm. I can't help or whatever. Um, the requirements are really easy. We ask that you be honest and don't try and pull a fast one, which I think is pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And We ask for families only with children because adults, you can understand, but kids, much difficult, much more difficult.
0: Yeah. So share some of your story in the email.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we just pick at random. So all the emails come in because Mm -hmm. we can't be the arbiters of like who's more deserving or not. So we literally take your email. We write your name down, all the names in a hat. And we will, once we know the total amount, we have like a little math process that we do to figure out how far we can make that money go. Mm -hmm. We pick the names. We'll email you. We'll let you know. Um, and, yeah, and and we can't do things like pay your utility bills, but we can send things like diapers and all of that kind of necessity. Um, and so we are accepting nominations from now until November 16th. Now until November 16th. Um, and at that time, we'll pick, and then you'll be notified ASAP, and then we will get the shopping done. And if you have any questions about it, again, yeah. givingtree at badmagicproductions.com.
0: And there'll be info on socials too, especially like in the private Facebook group Creeps and Peepers. So there will be like posts and stuff about it there. Great. And, uh, you know, we know this episode is coming up kind of quick to that deadline. So going forward, I mean, it is nice if you're, uh, you know, a hardcore fan to kind of like check in on the Facebook or Instagram here and there for things like this that we're able to give, because of our recording schedule, sometimes advance notice of.
1: Yeah, yeah, because we we are recording a few weeks in advance. So. Mm -hmm. Lots yeah. of words, but I hope that you guys are excited, and again, just like, thanks so much to the the patrons, because that is the the beginning funds of of where this came from, and, and you just make it possible, mm-hmm. so we're really grateful. Are you ready to get spooked? I am. Okay. Who's your squishy guy this week? Uh,
0: I don't know his name. He's a little monster guy, and we've had him for a long time here. I believe we got him in Cleveland, so sorry we don't have the the name of the fan who gave this a while back, but you squeeze him and his eyes pop out. <laughs> so he's an exciting, exciting little monster guy. No. Yeah, he when he gets scared, you know, his eyes his eyes pop out of that's his head. That's hysterical. I it's love like it, a, like a Stanley. Is that <laughs> his name, Stanley? Stanley. What's that from? I don't know. It just seems like that's the guy has a funny name, like Stanley. He could be Stanley. It's okay. Stanley.
1: Stanley. Stanley. It is. All right. Stanley, are you ready? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. uh, So we were talking about like this first story about like first responders, you know, like being in that field of things. And I was flashing back to a family friend of ours who was a police officer in Cleveland and he had like the most horrific first day on the job. It was so awful. I will Mm -hmm. not share the details here. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about like people like EMTs, paramedics, uh, firefighters, police officers, they have to go into random people's houses all the time and the Mm -hmm. things that they must see... Are, oh boy, is that guy gonna be a distraction? No, I'm paying attention. I'm paying Mm -hmm. attention.
0: The thing that you said, the things that they must see
1: is just endless, right? And there's, and like, you know, you're working day after day in this. This is your career. Like, you can't get away from it. Yeah. So, um, this is based around that. I think it's so interesting. Okay. And just hold tight for this detail that is gonna send you over the edge. Okay. Uh, It begins I used to be a patrol deputy sheriff in the San Luis Valley, located in Southwest Colorado. As a deputy, I've seen the best in people and the worst in people. I've seen parents lose their children and children lose their parents. I've seen death close to every week, whether it be self-inflicted, a horrific vehicle accident, or just time catching up with the elderly. I have not included my name in this due to the backlash I might receive, being that I'm still working in law enforcement in the area. I've been listening to Scared to Death for over a year now on Spotify, and I thought perhaps it's time to spread the STD with one real-life <laughs> encounter that won't seem to leave my mind no matter how hard I try to forget. I was working patrol night shift in October 2013, when, a pro- when at approximately 3.30 in the morning, I had a supervisor who was on duty with me that night, and we needed to respond to assist to the local police department for a 911 call for domestic violence in progress. Upon our arrival, we could hear screaming from an adult woman as if she were throwing a tantrum. Things sounded like they were breaking inside the house, and the lights we could see from the outside seemed as if there was a power pole that had just been hit as they flickered like a scene from a horror movie. Upon entering the residence with the police department, the boyfriend to the female was smoking a cigarette and seemed to be very upset and crying, stating that the female was out of control." The male party advised us that she had not hit him, nor had he hit her. All he tried to do was comfort her and hold her down when she had a seizure-like, a seizure-like moment, shaking and twisting her body. Upon entering the residence and making contact with the female, I can remember the smell of the house. It smelled like urine and dead animal had been sitting in the hot sun for a few days baking. The female was crouched down in the back of a closet and breathing heavy while growling like a dog who had just been cornered. She did not speak. She looked angry and rabid and wouldn't move. I remember turning back around and exiting the residence and catching a bit of the phone call the police sergeant had on speakerphone with the dispatcher. Get the priest here now. I knew right then exactly what was going on. The female was possessed. Approximately a half hour later, I recall the priest pulling into the driveway and speaking to the police sergeant about conducting an emergency exorcism. I stayed outside with the male party while my supervisor, the police sergeant, and the priest entered the residence with the female. I can remember hearing screaming from the female and shouting from the priest. I remember how cold my blood ran when the priest came out approximately two hours after going in, not speaking to me, the male party, or the other officers that were on scene. He just got in his vehicle and left. That early Tuesday morning was cold, the wind was blowing, and the sun was about to rise. My supervisor advised me that we were finished here. Me and my supervisor went to the police department to debrief the local police officers on scene. I'll never forget what I saw next. The police sergeant plugged in his body cam video. I remember feeling sick to my stomach as I watched the priest attempting to exorcise the demon out of the female and seeing that female crawl backwards up her bedroom wall, while growling at the supervisors who attempted to hold her down. The body video cuts out and we discuss everything that happened that night. I went home and couldn't sleep for the next few nights. Visions of everything I saw that night haunted me. Eventually, things went back to normal and we never spoke about that night again. About two weeks had passed when I was reading the local paper, the Valley Courier, in the obituaries, and I saw the female's face staring right back at me. It said she had passed away peacefully, surrounded by family Mm. and friends, and what a joy she had been in life and how she will be missed. All I could think about was that night, and for the next week or so, the nightmares continued. (laughs) Yeek. I like your eyeball, guy. Do it again. Yeek. He has a sound he makes. Don't hit the microphone. Mm-hmm. That's his eyes popping out if you're just listening.
0: <laughs> I, that may be one. like, I don't think I, I can't recall hearing a story before of law enforcement officers responding to a call or first responders, anything anything of that sort, mm-hmm. calling in for a pastor, priest, or any other sort of religious figure. And so just so I don't forget, I wrote down during yeah. that one, if if any other listeners work either on the religious side of that, you're a pastor, your minister, you a priest, whatever, or, or you are a police officer, EMT, and you are involved in something similar. I would love to hear more of those stories. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's so unusual to me. So just interesting. It just makes you wonder how common that is. I mean, It can't be that common.
1: I wouldn't think so. I would think most times, more than not, whether right or wrong, they yeah. assume that it's uh, mental illness. And right. they try to, like, coax the person out, get them strapped down to a gurney, and yeah. off to the psych ward they go. I would imagine. Right? right. Because, of, because of safety alone. Just, mm-hmm. like, to take the emotions out of it. It's like, you don't want that person to cause harm to themselves or to anyone else. So you are trying to get them out mm-hmm. and into a safe place.
0: It's so sad that she died. Not, when you said, like, passed away peacefully, I'm like, did she?
1: Did she? Or what did the exorcism work? And But then it, like, just took the life out of her?
0: or she had other things going on. When they talked about how the house was, or the apartment, like the way it smelled and everything, it's like, mm. were they dealing with other things? I, I don't know. Well, I, I thought
1: know. on the the way the apartment smelled, how often when there is a demon involved, oh, yeah, it's the smell of Oh yeah, sulfur and different
0: things, rot, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I don't
1: necessarily know. And the boyfriend, obviously, was very distraught. I would be so, I, I'm like, as if we know him, but mm-hmm. I'd be so curious of his opinion of what happened, had mm-hmm. this happened before, and he just thought she was having mental breakdowns, like, I don't know. Yeah, that's a creepy story. It's so creepy. The walking backwards up the wall.
0: Oh God! Yeah, I like that. Did catch
1: yeah, that on, the on body, body
0: cam, cam? I know. I wish that stuff could be released. Oh, I mean, because I'm sure, like in those things, like uh, I think there has to be like an inquiry. I mean, sometimes that stuff will be released to a show or whatever. Like the body cam footage. You can do like a request,
1: right? But you can't years. just to, you can't nah. do it just for fun because you're curious.
0: No, and the police can't. I don't think. I don't think they can just be like, hey, this is cool. Check out what happened. No, I don't And then just think release so. it because that's inv- – I think that's invasive of the people's privacy of like yeah. – Especially if you're in their home.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's laws I against it. I don't think it. you can. Because like not to get political about it at all, but I just think about when there, ooh, when there are police shootings and they mm-hmm. have body cam. Uh, there was a case in Chicago not altogether that long ago where they had to really fight for the footage to be released. And yeah, then, and the judge claimed that there were stipulations around it. And I can't remember. So, yeah. to your point, I don't think that you can just willy-nilly release uh, it. I don't think so. It. Yeah. I don't and, think so.
0: And you shouldn't. You shouldn't. What if she if survived? Yeah, and if that was me and I got like, uh, you know, like okay, just hypothetically, I go nuts and I'm resisting arrest and oh I'm having God. some crazy thing. And it's like a super embarrassing moment and I'm like high as shit or whatever. Like, yeah. whatever. It's like, and then that's on the news the next day. I'm not going to be like, sweet. I know like no no that's gonna be
1: i wonder if that's actually like a hipaa violation if know. it's like mental health related whatever anyways so creepy yeah and so creepy just the whole context of it and seeing that video would have sent me over the edge and just yeah and then she died Yeah. i really. don't know it's a lot of weird stuff Hmm. Ooh. okay ready for one more yeah okay so i was like a little bit worked up about this story for a minute because sometimes you know we're like like worked up in the sense of like i was a little scared okay okay because going back to what I said at the beginning of the show, like, and anybody who has an animal that sleeps in bed with them, oh yeah, 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 like cat, dog, mm-hmm. whatever, you're in bed and you know the feeling of your animal jumping on the bed. They like kind of like press down. Sometimes mm-hmm. they burrow. And I don't really know that I've given much thought to like, but what if it's not them? Mm-hmm. Like, what if they're like you're in that half sleepy kind of yeah. like. Sometimes they get off the bed in the middle of the night. They get on. Like I'm not checking. I'm not doing a dog head count right. when I feel right. something. Right? Well, this is such an interesting story from a fan. uh, And she basically talks about how something joined her in bed without her permission. Okay. Okay. Hey, Dan and Lindsay. I stumbled across your podcast and my Spotify recommendations. I'm a devout creeper. I listened to one episode out of curiosity, and I got hooked. I immediately binged every episode. I love everything about the podcast, from the awesome stories to the hilarious couple banter to Lindsay's love of crystals, something I share as a pagan witch. Yes! I look forward to every upload, so I have something new to listen to while working. First, a tiny bit of setup. During the summers as a young girl, I would spend several weeks with my great-aunt, who was really more like a second mom to me. Her and I would spend hours talking about everything from school, to family, to whatever else crossed our minds. When I was little, she lived in a mobile home that was just enough for her, as she had lived alone since her husband had died when I was four. Around 8th or ninth grade, she was finally able to move into a nice, one-bedroom home. It was beautiful, and she seemed happy, but I always got a sketchy feeling there. The, The minute I first stepped into the new home, something was off. For a lack of better words, the vibes were not good. It felt... Oppressive. I brushed it off as as I generally get uneasy in new places. Plus, I didn't want to upset my aunt. We had always joked that there was a house ghost when we'd hear things go bump in the night, but there was no real belief behind it. We were both skeptics, so it was nothing more than a joke. Time went by, and things seemed to be just fine. Then, we got to the summer before my junior year of high school. Since there was only one bedroom and I was a few years too old to be sleeping with my aunt, I took up residence on the pull-out couch in the living room. One night, I was lying on the pulled-out mattress watching TV when I had an unusual time falling asleep. It was about midnight, and suddenly I saw this black ball-type thing dash out in front of my peripheral. My first thought was that it was a spider or some other large insect. I immediately turned on the lights and began tearing the living room apart. I was not going to bed with a spider freely roaming around. (laughs) The thing is, I never found anything. No spider, no fly, no moth, no anything. I checked in every corner, crack, and crevice. I brushed it off as sleep-deprived-related hallucinations settled back in, turned over, and forced myself to sleep. Three hours later, I woke up. Something felt off. Someone or something was watching me. I got chills all over my body. I turned to lay on my back so I could see the whole room. That was a mistake. In the light of the TV, I saw something peeking from behind the rocking chair next to me. It moved a little, and part of it blocked the TV screen. It was a solid, black mass, almost as though a person were behind the chair. I laid as still as possible and just stared at this thing. And I swear it stared back. I couldn't see its eyes, but I knew they were fixed on me. After what seemed like an eternity, the thing disappeared as soon as it had come, and I didn't sleep the rest of the night. The next night, things got scarier. I was trying to fall asleep when my blankets began to shift. At first, I didn't think anything of it, since my aunt had two cats that loved to sleep with me. I had my back to the rest of the room, so I just couldn't tell. I then felt the blankets lift up and the weight shift on the bed. I broke out into a sweat. Someone was getting in bed with me. I was sure someone had managed to break into the home and that they were lying next to me. My mind immediately darted to horrific scenarios of what this person might do to me. I finally worked up the courage to turn over to see who was in bed with me. I expected to meet the eyes of some deranged rapist or murderer, but I didn't see a set of eyes at all. No one was next to me. The bed felt normal and the blankets had not moved an inch. Had I simply dreamed it? I jolted up immediately and began looking around the room. On the armchair across the room, both of my aunt's cats were looking next to me, not at me. It's been rumored that animals can see spirits. Did they see something I couldn't? Both of them immediately got down off the chair and darted over to me. They sat next to me, just looking at the wall. Once again, I did not sleep. Thankfully, the next morning was the day of my departure. This was the first and only time I was happy to leave my aunt's home. There was no way I could have stayed another night. Unfortunately, the next fall, my aunt tragically passed away from a massive heart attack, and I never got the chance to ask her what the hell was happening in her house. I'm now a junior in college, and those events still haunt the fuck out of me. (laughs) Was it maybe her husband who had previously passed? She had always felt that he was with her even in death as her guardian angel. Or maybe it was something else. There were rumors that the past owners had regularly tried to contact spirits (laughs) via a a Ouija board. Had they managed to summon something that that we didn't know about? I don't know, and part of me doesn't want to. Stay spoopy, Bella.
0: Bella, thank you. Uh I, I thought it was interesting how with you know with that story it's like there was just a theme throughout the whole episode today yeah. of being watched. Oh yeah. Both my stories had elements of that. That story definitely had an element of that. I, I mean I guess the story you told the third story wasn't, but I mean, three out of four.
1: And my story about at home. We have to do it Right watch yeah, that, at Exactly,
0: home. there we go. Yeah. So four out of five. Yeah. Really, because it was that like that that's really like another story. Mm-hmm. Mm, feeling, feeling something in your area, something you can't see, something behind stuff in their peripheral vision watching you.
1: I was working on this uh, on Friday at the office, and you were already out of town. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Getting into bed Friday night was uh-huh. rough. I did like Come a here, week- Penny. Come here, Gigi. Mm-hmm. I mean, I brought them in. I closed the door. Whenever uh-huh. you're not there, I sleep with my uh himalayan salt Mm -hmm. nightlight on because it gives off just enough light that i can see but we're in the middle of painting our home office yeah so all that shit is in our bedroom right
0: right there's a bunch of weird shapes that are not normally in there
1: yes and specifically and why why i didn't just like put the clothes away and move it is so dumb of me but we have our drying rack yeah and like my yoga pants are hanging Uh on it and it's and it's right by the mirror and it just creates the perfect shape of like
0: (gasps) oh god oh wait
1: it's just my pants (laughs) it was it was a rough weekend sleeping
0: I just thought of last night sleeping, the stupid dogs. Um, I went. To, I to hated
1: all of you last night. I know.
0: I went to bed a little bit after you. Mm-hmm. And I just was trying to, you know, we've been talking about like not letting the dogs divide us all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to like snuggle up to you. But then the dogs... Which I are...
1: didn't want you to do because your furnace, you were on fire. Okay. I was already close to the edge. Oh, man. And... As soon as you... Like, you don't even realize it, but, like, when you put your weight up behind me, it, like, mm-hmm. pushes me a little bit, and I'm like, oh. great. Now I'm falling off the bed. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. But well, continue on. Well, I
0: was just thinking about the dogs, where uh, they are so stubborn and feisty, and they're, like... <laughs> they're so territorial only <laughs> at night. That's
1: so funny. And
0: every time I try to get into bed, they throw themselves in the middle, and then they were, like, clawing, trying to, like, prevent me from dragging them. So I just tossed both of them off the bed I last night. I heard it. I heard it. And then... Um,
1: <laughs> Gigi. And then
0: Gigi gets all butt hurt.
1: She went around, mm-hmm. and like we have decorative pillows on our bed, which that always makes me think of John Huck's bit about pillows Mm -hmm, on the bed. mm -hmm. And she, like, used her body and her nose to, like, separate them and burrow. And then she was in them and I could hear her doing this because she kind of bopped her head on my bedside table. And I opened my eyes and her little head is popping out from underneath the pillows like, Mom.
0: Dad, kicked me off the bed.
1: Dad threw me. (laughs) And then they got back in and then they ruined my sleep. Yep. Yep. Super great.
0: You want want to uh, uh, do the animals first or me?
1: I can go first. okay. Okay, I would like to thank the following Annabells for supporting the show. Kaylee Neal, Radom mm, Ru Carl Atkins, Janet Carth Cart, Taylor Sherman, Sherry Rasley, or Raisley, Alexis, no last name given, Jake Perry, May Lynn Mendoza, Tori Cummins, cool last name. Cat <laughs> Birch, Max Maxi, Brian Tyler, Jess and Pierce Griffey, Robert Rowley, Jessica Torres, Sonia Gadfield, Caleb Richter, Delania Dina Polly, Caitlin Mack, Moselle Vick, Cassidy Foster, L- um uh, mm, Wadsworth, Spencer Crother, and Chelsea Gray.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, Matthew Pridgeon, Jack Swingle. Jack Swingle, if you're not a lounge act in Vegas, <gasps> oh, man.
1: Or at least a jazz musician at the very least. I
0: just picture some Reno or Vegas lounge. Not unusual to be loved by anyone. Thanks for coming out, everybody. <laughs> uh, and I, Jack Swingle. Um, <clears throat> Gabriel McCain, Erica Moreno, Leigh Bourne, Jay Boyer. Jethro McButterpants. That's, obviously, a, that's a good obviously, one. Hmm, obviously, a given name. Avi. Mags and Dan. <laughs> Butterpants is good. Mags and Dan Montoya Keen. Camria K- Garrett. Renan Miranda. Hannah Neal. Hunter Powell. Big Tits McGee. Obviously, again, birth name. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> Tim Martin. Peter Panopch. Pena- uh, Dances with Pugs, 1980. <laughs> uh, Sav Le. Uh, Arturo Solerto or no Arturo uh, Soltero excuse me read that wrong Eric Dickerson ah, great running back for the Rams but I'm it's assuming, I'm assuming this might not be the same guy no it's,
1: it is it's him I contacted this him this is
0: many years ago 2000 no. yard rusher this is him in a season uh, Rochelle Folley, uh Carolyn Harper Kennedy, Reeves, Nathan Kennedy, Sherry Eskridge, and Don Morgan. Thank all of you.
1: Well done, my friend. I have a few spoopy shout outs. Yeah. To Kristen, a.k.a. Crispy, from Josh, happy 26th birthday. To Rob from Squishy, happy anniversary, love you. Feels like Squishy and Crispy should get together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To Mark from Ashley and your five kids, happy birthday. To Michael from Becca, congrats on graduating from Ashley. FMTB Navy training with the Marines. Sounds fucking badass. And to Lennox, super awesome name, from Mom, Dad, and Jocelyn, happy birthday.
0: Happy birthday.
1: Happy birthday. A Lennox.
0: And that's our show. Thanks for continuing to send in your personal tales of terror to my story at scared to death podcast.com. You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com Or you can submit up the, for the Giving Tree, Giving Tree at badmagicproductions.com. Thanks to Logan Keith, Liz Hernandez for the work on social media and to Logan again for running badmagicmerch.com Thanks to Joe Paisley for producing directing today. Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Heather Rylander for organizing the my story emails. And thanks to book editor Drew Atana for helping format the listener stories each and every week now. And thanks to producer Sophie Evans for finding today's first story and producer Sarah Finch for finding the second. If you want ad-free episodes, multi-bonus at content uh, invites to This Looks Awesome, horror movie watch parties with Lindsay and I and more. Please check out our Patreon and enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. It's not unusual to be scared by anyone. And thank you for coming out. I hope you were scared to death.